Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 238 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're taking a very quick trip to Euro Corner before heading to Charm City in Baltimore to give you the complete lowdown on the second round of the USCX series, the GCN coverage, what it means for the whole series, how the race played out when the men's and women's elite races for Saturday and Sunday, doing all that. I'm going to keep this intro short, just tell you to go to wideanglepodium.com, make sure you download all of the podcasts there. Also, go to the cxhairs.substack.com, sign up for the bulletin. Zach has been writing his fingers off to get you all of the updated race reports and news and interviews and stuff that you need to know about the sport of cyclocross in North America. We're the ones doing it, and you can only get that coverage by signing up to the bulletin, cxers.substack.com. All right. It's episode 238 of Cyclocross Radio. We're in the media pit with Michael and Zach. We're talking about Charm City, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit to talk about Charm City. And maybe also a, a, a little mini, mini Euro corner. But before we get started with any of that, Michael. How's it going? Oh, gosh, Bill. I've been down on the hole all day trying to figure out how to do this opening. And I got to say, you know, I was really excited to see who is going to be the ace of stakes in Charm City in Baltimore. Um, but they kind of, you know, see maybe like if there could be a wire to the wire winner. Um, but they really duffed the coverage on the first race. Um, but, you know, it wasn't so bunk on day two. Yeah. You know, and if, um, if Booker always cheats, why don't you just kick him out of the race? It's America, man. Ace of cakes, anyone? Anybody? 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 Okay. Did they? No? You guys remember that show? I am really glad that we all came out of this not in a very crabby mood. So I think that that we're good. Uh, and so, Bill, as an homage to you, and looking ahead to this weekend, we're heading to Wisconsin. I just need to tell you, all weekend, Bill, they're not booing. They're mooing. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I think that in in light of being in Baltimore, you should use that joke nevermore. <laughs> wow! It's uh, we uh, in addition to the Euro corner, we have the 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 pun corner. I got to say, <laughs> I've only been to Baltimore once, and I'm sorry that I just named a bunch of shit about from some TV shows to the folks who are from Baltimore. And I feel like I would really like the city, and I want to go one day again. Um, no, we were, we were, we were one block away from a whole, uh, uh, 12 o'clock boy, um, parade. So we, we missed that sadly, but on our way home, but maybe next time something to look forward to. 
Yeah. I, I could see like I could see Blevins just jumping in, grabbing a motorbike and just rolling. I feel like he could pull that off pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. Uh he'd be a good quick study. <laughs> Should we talk about uh Heaton? Uh well before we talk about Heaton though, we have to talk about the prelude to Heaton. Okay. I mean, one of our favorite recurring characters, Milbeke Milbe oh, forget it. How do we say it? Mulebeka? Thank you. Late. Uh, Michael, there's this thing. <laughs> we keep our eyes out. Our goggles are on. They're looking for something. I can't. I don't know what it is. Is Sana Watch back? Dan-dan, dan-dan. Dan-dan, dan-dan. <laughs> Sana Watch, yeah. It's, it's you know, one, one might say that, that the stonks are high. Um, coming out of the gate, winning. Sana Watch. I mean... What do you do? You got to come out and win, and she did it. So, like, trying to set the price real high in the beginning. Um, although, do, go look at the results. All the hitters are waiting for Heaton, but uh, I won't shade Sana too much. I'm, I'm glad she got she got a win out. First race. But can we say the best part about this? The best part about this to me is that we saw the pony camp last year, right? Sana riding with the Youngs. This was still a pony camp. Like, she's still showing the way. So in second, we had uh, Zoe Backstead, age 17, Marie Schreiber, the next uh, Christine Majerus, age 18, and in fourth, the Belgian, uh, Marion R- Norbert Riberall. So, you know, I'm just, I'm happy to see that the pony camp is still in full effect in a new season. I mean, I think it's worth noting, though, there was an interview with Sana, and she admitted, you know, she acknowledged what was pretty clear to everyone's eyes, that she was uh, terrible the last two seasons. And she, I mean, she basically said, like, if I don't start getting results, like, I'm done. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that, you know, she's pretty clear that uh, she needs a a return to form. So, this was her kind of winning winning the pony camp uh, this time. And then we had Heaton, which had all of the hitters. You know, it looked like it was kind of the preseason for riders like Lucinda Brand getting into it. And I don't know. So how are you feeling about Sana Watch and those Sana stonks after uh, after Sunday, Michael? I, I think I think if you would have bought on Saturday, you would have, you know, kind of lost your butt a bit on, on Sunday. But I think she slotted into where most of us would have imagined. What, she got 10th, I think. Um I, want, I just wanted to point out on the Mulebeke in the men's race that the top 17 were Belgians. Along, along those lines, but not really, going back to the women's race, I think it's worthwhile pointing out that there were nine British women there in the race, which wow. is, is pretty impressive. And I think it's, it's – uh, I, just, I just wonder if there is this push to, to get – british uh women into more into cyclocross is this like the the ev effect is this the ev and tom effect are we gonna get more so. brits uh showing up in the junior fields because they were they were the next biggest showers other than uh um the the belgians well and hey only one dutch rider in the top 10 on saturday but then we go to sunday and heaton and Sana, she is split. You remember the, I felt like last year, right? The perfect sweep was the wide angle podium. This year, the Dutch sweep is the top 10. And Sana 
She kind of like up and I mean, so eighth place actually, uh, firmly ensconced in the uh, in the pony camp. Uh, I mean, never don shot zone. Yeah, yeah. So firmly, you know, she uh, she she finished behind Puck Pieters, but she beat out Sheeran Van Anroy and Femme Van Ampel. So I don't know, uh, you know, racing against riders tw- twelve years younger than her. Jeez. Um, yeah, but to barely I mean, age is age is just age. I don't I don't know. I don't think you can really put too much credence on that when the the winner is older than the Sane. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so uh, Lucinda Brand took the dub. Uh, Denise Betsema second, and Anne Marie Worst third, a minute back. So you know, I I don't know. I, I nothing too surprising there. I guess. No, I mean just. Just Lopez in the brand winning in the in the jersey and then flying over to Waterloo and, and Tone Arts posted Instagram with all the uh the seven world world champs and him. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the humility for Tone Tone. Um Well and, and speaking of the men, I you know, I, I I I must I must do a mea culpa. I was selling hard on tone arts after that first race he looked terrible terrible not a very good result uh but tone is uh he was playing a little rope dope i i think this is a good lesson to not sell after one race tone took the took the win i mean he had that strong race at berenjen before he flatted and you know looking good and clearly the lack of uh titles on his mind but our man q uh not anonymous Second place, breaking up the uh, the uh, the hegemony uh, at the top, the lion and sauce uh, hegemony at the at the top. So good race from him as well. Keep in mind that we were all really busy because there was a lot of bite. We actually didn't watch this. We're <laughs> just looking at results uh, and and extrapolating uh, here because uh, we all had stuff going on this weekend. There was a lot of other bike racing. Before we leave Euro Corner, let's let's look at fourth place. Our man Lawrence Wick, who. Um, Bill, you had a great tweet, um, and uh, you know Swack is, is is throwing the shade at the at the United States and saying, "I don't quite understand." Like it's it's unsure. He said there's not there's no progress, and like I'm not sure what he's referring to. Like like that American riders aren't getting better, or that there's not you know more cyclocross races in different parts of the of the globe. But he is he is definitely not coming to the states. Um, the Slow Ride podcast is uh, sending a um, self-addressed stamped envelope to him to get their jersey back. Um, he has done his heel turn. It's um, I still like him, though. Still a fan of Sweet because this is just fodder. I love it. He's, he's an enigma, sort of, wrapped in a Minnesota Gophers uh, hockey jersey. Um, but what do you guys think about Sweet? Just doubling down, saying no, not coming. I, I think some of it is is lost in translation, and some of it is just like a little tilting at windmills. I mean, what does he expect that like it's going to be as big as like NFL football when he came back because they showed up for a couple of years, and all of a sudden <laughs> cyclocross was going to be the fourth major sport in the U.S. I mean, it's I mean, what is what is progress supposed to look like? You know, it's like. We had one World Cup in in Cross Vegas years ago, and now we have three World Cups and a World Championship. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the parameters are. parameters are that he's using, and who knows how long you know he was prodded into saying something in, in this interview. I think that's also something that I mean I know 
you know, it's a, it's it's a good technique. Just keep somebody talking, and they'll eventually say something you can uh, use. And all he had to say was, "Hey, I'm a new dad. I'm not going to the U.S." And everybody would have been like, "Awesome, dude. Yeah. See you. See you next time." But yeah, this 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 got the headlines. Taking that heel turn. Hey guys, uh, I think on the first episode when we were lacking for content before we move off this Euro corner, um, I had come up with some prop bets and we ended up having content so I didn't have to dig into this well. But our guy, Quentin, I mean, we're obviously fans. I think we look at him as kind of our hope for breaking up that uh, that group at the front, although we can talk about Vinny B, the way he's riding. I don't know what's going to happen. So last season, Quentin Hermans, Quentin Hermans, he won one race. Tom Pitcock... He won one race. Who's going to win more Ooh. bike races in cyclocross this season? Tom Pitcock or Quentin Ermans? Win more. Yeah, that's. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm on Pitters. Okay, I'll go Q. I think. I think Pitters comes in January, like late December, January comes in strong. Um, well, so here's could, the th- right. The thing is that like Pitters comes in right when Vanderpool and Van Eric comes in. So like clearly the answer would be Pitters if he was racing now, but he's going to come in at the worst time. Whereas Q's kind of here. He's here mm. in the Lion and Sauce era, and then he's in the No One Cares era. You know. So I was like, I think that's why it's an interesting query. You know, does Pitcock climb that mountain once again like he did at Havre last year? Uh, you know, during peak cyclocross, I guess as it were. Uh, so I, I like it. I, I mean, like that he, we have a split. And 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 who knows what he, what he's gonna? Yeah, I think he's coming for the U.S. Right? Is he on the? Uh, yeah, I was just checking. Yeah, he's at he's at yeah. Waterloo. Yeah, Vinny, mean, Vinny was saying that all the all the hens are showing up. The whole uh, the whole flock will be here. <laughs> so Beautiful. I, I think that he's a he's a Tormans twin though. He's not. Oh, a that's hen. right. He's not a hens. He's a Torm. He's not a container. He's a. Consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Construction company. So. Yeah, but 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 he yeah. was saying he was saying our man Dan Dan Soda was coming. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that it's always interesting. We've seen this for years how the World Cup week plays out because you you figure anybody who comes over is going to be assuming that they they made the selection is going to be racing the three World Cups and they're probably not going to be racing all of the races. So you have this Friday a trek up for grabs. Um, you know, Zach and I were kind of discussing this on our drives. If they like draw straws for which uh, which Trek guy is going to win the win the Friday race, which one which one has to put the effort in to go win the Friday race, so the other ones can take the race off and just sort of roll around. Uh, and then you also have the Friday at Jingle, which is a C one, which maybe the more will race, even though the the World Cup is Saturday. But then you have that C two on Sunday. That yeah, seems like it? the uh, that's the Steve Chanel Memorial <laughs> Memorial Cyclocross race, the Saturday yeah. night C two. Oh, Saturday Wait. night. Wait, no, when no, is no. the World Cup? World Cup Sunday. I the World Cup was Sunday. Okay. Yeah. There's this. Is, oh, I oh, hope I, sorry. So it's on C1, Saturday. C one Friday, C two Saturday, World Cup Sunday. Right. Is the C two during the day this year? I Please tell I me no, it is. I I, I, I I'd assume so. Right, yeah, you, you say that, and then they schedule it for the night, and that was that was the worst thing in the history of covering cyclocross ever. Was the Saturday night C two into the World Cup? I digress. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I think we'll see, like, I think that's like a points opportunity. Um, I know. Yeah. There was the one year in 2017, the year of Tobin when he raced it for some reason. And then to get for whatever, finished second or third. And then the next day he was like, yeah, that was a mistake. So I think people have kind of picked up that you don't necessarily want to race that, that Saturday, but back when there was the C1 on Friday night, I mean, I thought that that usually drew a lot of the hitters. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised for the C1 on at Jingle Cross if we see a pretty, pretty full field uh, with some, I know Laura, Lauren Sweck has won it in the past uh, for the men. Uh, Katie Keogh beat Katie Compton one year uh, that I remember. So uh, we'll see what happens. I see no Belgies signed up for Trek Friday. Oh, they sign up uh, literally two minutes before start. It happens okay. every year. They all show up. The entire Trek team will be racing for that Friday race. Oh. Uh, it's super annoying. They do it every year. And every year I'm like, can you please register? And they're like, here's the start list. It's 15 minutes to the race time. And I'm like, you could have signed them up before. So that's probably going to happen. Uh, should we do Charm City? I feel like we uh, got a lot to talk about. Uh, so many things to talk about. Uh, should we go to Broadcast Corner first? <laughs> sure. All right, let's go it. to. Uh, <laughs> so, Michael, you are you were our man. You were the man on the live stream for I was. us, Bill and I, uh, I. I was able to make it out to Charm City, and I super enjoyed uh, being there. First time was kind of a race that I always wanted to go to. Uh, but you were kind of on TV patrol, Michael. And I guess I'll just preface this uh, maybe this way: uh, Bill and I both got a message. I forget who's from uh, this long rambling like long Instagram message about how bad the stream was during the women's race on Saturday being like, this is a D minus minus. Uh, and then the next message is just like, damn, a plus on the men's race <laughs> was like, all we saw later on. So what were your, does that kind of sum up what you saw? Yeah. Like, what that's, was that? what were your thoughts? that's pretty much it. I mean, like, like I said, excited to, um, you know, we kind of we're looking forward to charm as sort of going to be a progression from Rochester and maybe a better venue. Um, came into that with that sort of ex- expectation and it started good for a minute. And then boom, we lost the first, I want to think the first lap was just was gone. And we watched bill. We watched your course preview with J pal a bunch of times. That was great. Um, <laughs> and then they, they caught up and yeah, it just, it, it was freezing and you know, we just, we missed a lot of the race and uh, I think like there was a camera down and then at some point I'm trying to remember what it was. At some point we lost audio. There was no commentary. I think that was in the men's race. I think you had to refresh the feed to get it, but I just, whatever, didn't care at that point. Um, so definitely stumbled out of the gate again. Um, but you know, Sunday day two, much better. Um, I have, as always, I have lots, you know, I've got my little, you know, things I wish they would have done better, but vast improvement on day two. So uh, excited for Jingle. It's going to be great, right? We can only go up from here. Um, I loved, by the way, I loved seeing you guys on the live stream all the time. Zach, like I, I said, in the green room, you're looking like a real photojournalist. Um, you look exactly like the uh, newspaper photographers I see all the time at work. Um, so I was like, who is this guy? Who's this guy out there in the button-down shirt? Oh, that's Zach. Look at those cameras. Um, anyway, it's it's fun, right? It's it's the, it's the Leo and Leonardo meme pointing at her friends on the live stream. But yeah, that's that's my live stream corner. 
Looks I like threw you for a loop. Uh, you know, Bill given me his Sony uh, right? A7 III and, you know, a really nice uh, 770 to 200 zoom lens. You know, I looked pro. Like, I, I felt pro. I felt pro lugging lugging that guy around and feeling, feeling like I belonged uh, in the finish line scrum. So many kudos to Bill. But Bill, I think you have a little bit of intel on what happened during that women's uh, uh, fiasco. Yeah, so uh, there are so many moving parts in that broadcast. It's it's like trying to figure out who to blame for it going down during the women's race. It turns out it had nothing to do with the team on the ground in Baltimore. It was, it it gets sent to the feed gets sent to Paris. And then from Paris, I think that's where the Eurosport offices are. And, you know, part of, or discovery or GCN, they're all, to get discovery owns all of it and uh yeah it was it was something something um went wrong when it went to france and then it never left oh <laughs> that, that part of the chain so it's just kind of unfortunate because it's you know already off to a, a rocky start with rochester and then this was I, i'm sure there are a lot of nits to pick with the broadcast this was something that was beyond their control so it was just completely unfortunate yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's a major bummer because you know they're doing they're doing they're making they're doing the work and it's out of their hands. Yeah. Um, can I say one thing I noticed about? So I heard a lot of people talking about how this this is a very Euro course. I think I think I heard that in your preview, Bill, with the riders talking about being a Euro course, and I you know I kind of got it maybe like long stretches, but then what really cemented it being a Euro course for me was I realized there was I don't even know what you call these things. There was essentially these bobcats with these like crane arms and they had baskets at the top and they like made an arch. And I was like, yes. Like that was amazing. Can we get an inflatable old bay salt shaker, you know, next? I, I, I would not put it past Chris Auer and Jay Lazaro or the race organizers. Chris is if he is listening to this is just in love with you right now, Michael, that you noticed that because he was like nowhere in us. Do you have this Belgian touch of a having a, a heavy industrial uh, sponsor, which they do along with the scaffolding company and everything else. And then bringing out the machinery to do the little so yeah good. tractor arch. No, that was completely on purpose to be sort of a Odaham or one of these other races that that has that sponsor or even even Floaty Cross when we had the hanging you know tractors up there. So yes, that was that was a touch. That was the Euro touch that they were going for, and I I, I know it will be be appreciated that you noticed. Kudos. So talking about the the course. You know, I think that there's the flyover and the off camber, but generally speaking, I don't know if there were kind of the named features, right, that we have at Rochester to that extent. But I cannot stress enough at how hilly this course was. Uh, there was, especially that long slog. So there was the um, there was the off camber at the far side of the course and Mansion uh, Hill on date, huh? Mansion on Mansion Hill. Hill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So on day two, I kind of uh, f- doing the photography. Uh, the, in the, the day one they went around was kind of right into the sun. And so it was kind of, I skipped it just because the lighting wasn't good, but on day two, they kind of were perfectly lit 
from the sun. I mean, it was pretty, but like there was high shadow potential and it was a big investment to get there. So on day two, I was like, I'm going to shoot the whole shot. I'm sprinting straight to the, to the, to mansion Hill. Um, I almost like passed out, uh, (laughs) from, from doing that running. Uh, it was long, it was uphill and it was hard. And I was just reflecting to myself, my God, these people have to ride this, you know, seven times in the women's race and nine times in the men's race. Like it was just hilly. It was punchy. There was a lot of getting up and out of the saddle. There was this false flat, like power climb to start the lap. So, you know, whatever you might think, yeah, it's kind of grassy or whatever. I think as a riding course is punchy and hilly AF is my takeaway. It's also, it's, it's grassy, but it's so dry out there. You know, I, I know I said, I, I got called out so many times for <laughs> intimating that, it, that it may be rainy and muddy. Uh, I, I, I swear at one point a couple of weeks ago, that's what the forecast said. It turned out not to be the case at all. It was like 85 and just beating down sun every day. And what that does is it, it, you know, the, the, the grass holds up for the, morning races through the 150 person cat five fields and all that. And then it just starts to go away and you're just left with this dust, which really causes, you know, you can have your wet slick conditions and, and this is certainly like a dry slick condition. You know, you, especially on the, on mansion Hill, there was, there is one little like goat path that goes through the middle, this little ledge single track that, on Friday, when everybody was pre-riding it, it was perfect. It was beautiful. You just shoot across there. You know, you could do like one pedal and you were just done. That 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 ledge was obliterated by the time that the elites raced, and it was it was really hard. And then there's even this mini off camber, which we'll talk about because it it decided races that just looks like it's in an innocuous place. It's like you know a little like loopy off camber you'd see on any course, but. It was it was like dry slick, you know. It was you were getting no traction on this because it was so dusty. So it really it, it makes for these. I think I I would say you know as much of a Euro course that we want to to talk about at Charm City, and I think there's some validity to that. I think that the conditions that we had to me seem uh, uniquely American. That that sort of dry, dusty, and having to 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 sort of uh, figure out how to race in those conditions where it, it again it comes down to something. You think about a muddy race, you know, and you think about tire choice. What tire choice do I pick for this muddy race? Where this is a bone dry race on grass, yet lot lots of you know back and forth with people on what what kind of tires do you use? Because you you certainly need some sort of traction out there. Because because it just you know it was the the ground was given away Zach yeah one little fun bit of intel I was shooting uh, Ghost Vandermeer the uh, enigmatic Dutch privateer uh, I was shooting his bomb track and uh, I was questioning what tires to have on so you know Challenge is kind of doing the team issue has that red um, sidewall uh, this year but he had a, a set of the older Challenge. I uh, don't quote me on which one is their file tread. 
but anyway, he had an old set of file treads and they were the Damn. ones on the bike. And so I had shot it and came back. He's like, oh, did you shoot it with the red tires? Those are kind of like what they want. And I was like, no, I had, um, it had the other ones on it. And you had, you had a gravel grinder on it for some reason when I got over there. I'm like, I'm not going to shoot it with a gravel grinder. He's like, oh yeah, that's for, for training. Um, but he's like, yeah, I, I brought this set of file treads, which I probably will only ever use once. And I never use in Europe, but I figured I better have them because of American conditions. So that was just kind of a little interesting tire tidbit to me that, you know, it sounds like in Europe, like rarely, if ever, you know, he's like, this is, this is a break in case of emergency set of, of tires that he had mounted up. Uh, but he lugged them all for probably, I mean, we saw a lot of people on file treads. Uh, we're going to hopefully do kind of a comparison of, uh, what the North Americans were running, uh, at charm city, and then try to get a look at what the front row is going to be running at the, the water world world cup and kind of do a comparison. But we saw a lot of file treads on on sunday when i took a peep uh doing sports of style with my camera peeping that so um but yeah moving to the women's race uh previous week i think that we would be not ruffling any feathers to say Megaly rochette uh, grabbed the bull by the horns and just uh crushed everyone <laughs> uh from the get-go you know, and I, I think that last week we were kind of musing, you know, about could Clara Hansinger and Karen Lamani kind of neutralize that at the beginning. And uh, Rochette went out really hot, but the I it didn't happen. We had a we got a bike race in the women's race on Saturday. Yeah, sounded like she uh, went out hot and overheated. Um, you guys, I guess it was hot there, huh? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just. Also, the intel was that Clara Hansinger took the caffeine gel before the race <laughs> and so was like ready to be there uh, in the event. Although, you know, I, I don't I, I'm remembering now that I didn't watch the start of the race because I watched the course preview three times. So, Bill, so I'll, okay, so I'll jump, I'll jump <laughs> in. Yeah. So, you know, so Rochette went out. Uh, Mani was kind of with her. There was a little bit of a gap, but Clara was kind of on it. And I think Clara, you know, she had this advantage on the punchy sections. I think she kind of recognized that on these punchy climbs with that road fitness. Uh, and she was able to kind of get on Rochette's wheel right away and talking to her after the race. She's like, yeah, I had, I had like one thing in mind. And that was like watching Magalie's wheel. Like I I'm, I'm on it wherever it goes. Like I need to get there. Um, and so, you know, the first lap cleared and we had, it was Rochette, Mani, Hansinger, and then Katie Klaus actually had a great start. So I think she had a second row start. We saw her starting with no UCI points last week and she got as high as sixth. Um, you know, so kind of as we expected the young gun, Katie Klaus, she was able to attach herself to that group. Uh, and, uh, fun bill. I think you heard this. So fun little bit, uh, Klaus kind of pops off. You have Rochette, uh, Quebecois, Mani, she's French and Hansinger and, uh, Mani and Rochette are talking to each other in French. <laughs> bill, did you hear this? <laughs> yeah. So Clara getting double teamed by the, the, as she called them the Francophiles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. French. Those yeah. are the tires that are the tires that are riding with the Francophiles. Yeah, it was, it was funny talking to Clara because she, you know, as as you guys already talked about, she was she. It, it's not like she doesn't know about her starts, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, I got a much better start. It was it was it was nice, and I was able to close the gap and get up there with uh, 
Magley, and uh, uh, she was like, and <laughs> she's just Claire just has this great conversational way of talking. She's like, oh, oh, look, she's nice. Uh, she's not going to just ride away. It's like, yay, we get to play the game, <laughs> you know. And then they and then they played the game for a while until uh, until Magley uh, just yeah, she you know she's she is somebody who I don't think you know as I I didn't we're sort of saying it flippantly michael that she just blew up but i i don't think that was the case with her i think this was a a reasoned decision on her her part that she felt herself starting to overheat and she just pulled off the pulled off the throttle she was not going to push it and she talked about it she said look my goal goals are still the world cups and you know, she remembers back to Rochester where, yeah, she had to be taken to the hospital from, from heat stroke and heat exhaustion. And she did not want a repeat of that. So, uh, you know, it, the, the interesting thing was like, she didn't think that she was going that hard in the beginning. She thought that it was a, a reasonable pace, but she just felt it catching up with her. And at some point she was just like, I, I just need to, you know, maintain where I'm at and sort of try to cut my losses as much as possible. But she knew that the the win was not in her favor. And the other thing that said, she came back on uh, Sunday, um, <clears throat> you know, we'll talk about that and you know, spoiler alert, she wins Sunday uh, that, you know, they, they chalk it up to, to their um, lack of preparedness that, that they were, I think, you know, a little, little embarrassed about that. They didn't have ice socks. She didn't have her ice vest. They just didn't, they didn't come into that day and I could see it. We woke up, it was 50 degrees out. You know, it was, it was, mm. you woke up in the morning and they were on the venue and you're like, oh, this is going to be fine. It's going to be a cool day. And then the temperatures just shot up. So, you know, she didn't, she didn't do the things that she was doing on Sunday and would normally do on a hot day like that, like having that ice vest on before racing or having the, you know, the, the, the ice socks that most of the riders were having. And, and when she prepared for it, she did perfectly fine. You know, same conditions on Sunday that there were on Saturday. Yeah, I think that she did a, a much other, much better job with her her heat manage. I would say it was a heat management plan. They had, as we would, you know, to get really technical about it. Uh, I got a photo of David uh, Gagnon just dumping ice water on Michaeli as she goes past the pits. You know, it was a, a lot of managing uh, the heat with with stuff like that, even during the race. So I was watching the Sunday's race, and and there was a shot of. Uh, Stu, I think Stu Thorne dumping water on Curtis. And I was remembering a few years ago when sort of this was like a big like debate about like where you can feed and can you have bottles? And it it seems like, A, that seemed kind of ludicrous that you couldn't do that sort of stuff. But like, is that no longer an issue now? Can we just, what is, is, what's the? It's up to the, it's up to the commissar. They get to make the call and they were giving them explicit instructions on the start line about what they could do, where they could do it and who they could do it to. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the, the, the thing. And I think it, it was basically anywhere they wanted to, but they were just concerned about making sure if it's in the pits, you're not interfering with anyone else. And also to make sure, you know, don't, don't be a good Samaritan. Don't dump water on somebody that's not expecting it or doesn't want it. You know, just do it for your own riders and, or if somebody requests or whatever, but yeah, so they, the, the, the officials were cognizant of, of the conditions and yeah, I agree a couple of years ago, it was, it was just insane where, you know, no water, no feeds, no dumping, no nothing. And it just seemed wrong. This was a, 
much much more humane approach and i don't think anybody really gained or lost an advantage of from it and you know just i i think if anything it helped the racing so a couple more things on the heat i think one if you look at the times uh kudos to the the commissars for getting our women's races over 50 minutes uh, i think that they've been doing a great job so Claire's winning time was 51-22 on Saturday, and the race on Sunday was 45-ish for Megaly, and I think they made the cognitive decision to cut it a lap because it should have gone, I think it went six, because I was a little surprised. I was like, this is the bell lap already? It should have gone seven, but I think they made that decision. But they were asking, the lead official was asking Rochette and Hansinger after the race, like, are you okay that we did this? We're just trying to get feedback. And I think both of them were like, oh, thank God. Like, (laughs) we did not want to (laughs) race for another second. So I think, like, you know, kudos to them to, you know, taking this seriously. I think we still, even as rules have changed in Europe, we still see them sometimes blowing it. And I think... Uh, you know, the U.S. commissaires, you know, kudos to them for for taking this seriously and trying to get these 50 minutes races. And it's been awesome to kind of look at these times and be like, we're finally get women are being treated much more equally in terms of race time. We're getting these longer races. It's not diminishing the quality. They're not they're capable of doing it. Um, it's just great to see. And the other thing that I love to see on Sunday is that like there was this total community effort to keep riders cool. So like after the women's race, I got a photo of um, a, a mechanic in bright green from Alpha Bicycle just dumping water on Erica Zavetta and her bright orange kit. And like David Gagnon was just giving you know towels to to different riders coming in. So I just love the the community and the camaraderie that like. It was. It, it wasn't just about your rider. That like you know mechanics and uh, team helpers and you know partners and stuff were helping all of the riders at the finish because it was that hot. So it was just like a very American cyclocross, and I think it's just everything that we love slash at times hate because of the lack of conflict uh, about American cross kind of going on at the finish line was kind of my takeaway. So it was really really neat to see uh, that level of of camaraderie. So Clara wins day one wins a c1 that's her first win since national championships in tacoma um you know i thought that was that was really i i seeing magali you know as maybe they'll kind of dial it back and you know get slot in at fifth um i i was thinking oh man like did we kind of see sort of this like is this the rise of Clara now? Are we going to see a dominance from Clara? And, and, you know, turns out the Magali had a different plan on Sunday and, but still Clara got second, but I thought that was a, it was pretty great to see that, that first big win, um, for Clara, especially in the stars and stripes Jersey and at a C one, which counts for more points in the series. So pretty important win too. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I think one thing that came across that riders were talking about, uh, with Clara, they do a really nice, so at uh, Charm City, they do a really nice job with club team row, right, Bill? There's this long stretch where all the club teams are just lined along. And so it's like you're hanging out and like, oh, you can turn around and just cheer on the riders as they're coming by. And, you know, in one of these spots, there was a group of, you know, people were kind of congregating around the flyover, but just being out on the course, you could kind of tell where Clara was during that race because she was just getting these crazy wild cheers. This isn't to say that they weren't cheering on all the riders, uh, but 
I was, you know, I was noticeable. It was like almost like Belgian style. You could kind of follow where Clara was. Like, oh, yep, she's by Club Team Row. Oh, yep, she's by the flyover because uh, of the cheers that she was getting. Um, so it's cool to see that level of support. You know, Curtis White, after the race, he remarked that he felt like the the cheers were were really loud. Uh, and kind of, but Bill, we were talking about, you know, it was my first time there. There were so many people. Like, the participation was great. But crowd's not as big as they were in the past. And, you know, Bill, we talked about this, and I guess we were missed if we didn't cover it, but it seems like we're kind of coming to this new American cyclocross that people who do it are insanely passionate. You know, listeners of this podcast, I had so many people like shout out to literally everyone who was like, are you Zach? I love your (laughs) podcast. Like, like seriously, it happened like four or five times. Like genuinely appreciate that. Um, But I think we have this more knowledgeable, passionate fan base and some of the, you know, the hangers on have all kind of gone to, to gravel, um, maybe we can cover this, but is that kind of, kind of what you've been feeling, Bill, you've done more of these events, uh, than Michael and I have this year. I th- yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, I don't know, but it, it's not like it's a, I don't know if it's necessarily a new phenomenon. And I think just like circumstance sometimes for these bigger mid Atlantic races, it sort of fluctuates between, Oh gosh, great crowd. And you know, maybe it's falling off. I I think charm city definitely has had more people in the past. And I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll get back there again. I'm not, I'm not really sure why. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. We've, we've been talking about the plateau of American cyclocross for a few years now, you know, five or six possibly, (laughs) you know, it was really growing a lot and then it seemed to stagnate. And I don't know if we are, still plateaued or on the way down with all of the other competing disciplines. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think Jingle Cross will be a really good indicator as well. I know that's a tough weekend for them in Iowa City, so maybe that won't be fair either. But that's the one that I don't know if you if you all agree, but that that seems to be like the biggest crowds that we see. And then some, and, and again, it, it also fluctuates there to, to, to how many people show up. But yeah, definitely, definitely not the same size crowd at Charm that we've seen in the past. I think for me, since this is kind of my home base, uh, it was the it was the same people I was used to seeing at, at races, you know, every week. So the same, the the, the usual suspects definitely, def, definitely were out. Um, yeah, we have a couple things. You know, we still have to talk about the men's, and then I do want to talk a little bit about the series as a whole after after that, but. Um, did we, well, should did, we let's if, do the let's do the women's Sunday because I feel like they're like they need to go together for sure. Like they kind of dovetail. So, Michael, you kind of alluded to it uh, a little bit. Did you get a? Did you get? I know you were busy. You were doing a race. A uh, little bit of a different story though. Um, here, did you get to? Did you get a chance to kind of peep kind of what happened at the beginning uh, of that one? I I just watched it, but now I can't remember. So I feel terrible. I my uh, brain is so bad. Like. Oh no, it's no worries. I mean, so we had, we had Rochette kind of, um, Rochette didn't go out hot. She actually slotted into fourth wheel at the start and Clara throwing some haymakers. Like this was the anti, this was Clara, just the, the glow plugs, Michael just kind of revved up pretty early. Yeah, like I don't. I, maybe she's switching to turbo diesel now. I don't know. Like that's that I that, and I remember now. I watch it. Have my notes. Um, yeah, Clara making moves was my big note, um, which was good to see. Uh, it, coming off the win on Saturday in the Stars and Stripes jersey, like that was great. We had like a really good race. I was super. I was so excited. The broadcast worked. It was. 
there, here we go. Here's the product that we want to package and show to everybody. Yeah, I was excited. I saw Stu out on the course and I was like, dude, I just like, Stu's very, he's great. He's always like coaching his riders. And I think he's really new. I was like, dude, we've got, this is, this is good. This is a rivalry. Uh, you know, I think that the two of them were kind of thrown haymakers and talking to Magley, you know, on Saturday, the story was, uh, Clara watching Magley's wheel with Eagle eyes. And on Sunday it was Magley being like, Oh snap. Cause she was sitting like fourth and Clara goes and gets this gap. Cause Clara was really taking advantage of these power climbs. And Magley's like, I needed to get around the other riders. Uh, cause it was again, Mani and Klaus and she, you know, kind of had that turn, turn the tables. And Clara was like, yeah, I was like throwing the kitchen sink at it. And I just kept turning around and there, there was Magali on my wheel. I just, I couldn't shake her. So I kind of love, I love, I mean, I think these women are great. Um, I kind of put a little bit of in my race report. They have nothing but respect for one another. Um, but I think it's good for them. They both have aspirations to do well at the World Cups. And this is what we need. Like they push each other uh, and they both look really fit. They both look strong. Like it was they both got better, I think, uh, over the course of, of the last year or yeah, last year. And it was, it was pretty evident. Um, but Bill, you were kind of, you were kind of on the spot for kind of the key moment of this race. You talked about it a little bit. Do you want to kind of walk us through the, the decisive moment? Yeah. And was it two to, were they coming into two to go or one to go two to go? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it. You know, we had the main off camber, which was the mansion Hill and they come off of that and go up these rollers up to the up to the highest point on the on the course and there is this little uh other off camber this sort of serpentine section that ends in this um circular off camber section and it was exactly what i was talking about it was extremely dusty you know you if you're sitting third wheel you're just getting you're in a cloud of dust so magley is there clara is glued to her wheel as she comes through there and they're railing it. You know, they are flying through here. They're coming up. They're going to see two to go. So this is kind of go time for both of them. And uh, it, it was interesting because after it happened and Magley gets away, you just hear the announcers because they can't see it. Everybody's blind. They're just like, oh, big attack by Rochette. And, you know, and, <laughs> you know me and uh, Chris Norvold, who actually got it on video, are sitting there like, that wasn't an attack. Well, it was an attack, but it was that uh, Clara's, had a pedal strike on that off camber, just nailed her pedal. And then just, you know, that lifted up her rear wheel. And then she slid down the off camber just, you know, recovered right away. But it was just that second that Magley needed. And it, it was the obvious question to ask. I was like, well, did you hear her go down behind you? And she said, absolutely. And she was just like, crap. <laughs> she was like, that was it. It was time to go. And she just put in, and it, it's, it was, it was just a, 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 um, the perfect example of why we love cyclocross versus some other disciplines where that is the time to attack, where if it were road racing, we'd be de still debating 72 hours later on if it was, you know, couth for her to take advantage of a rider who had slipped on a feature, you know, that, that's like, that's the whole game that happens. And Magley knows like, Oh, this is it. This is time for me to go all in. And, and she did. And she got about a, you know, three or four second gap to start with. Um, Clara, as I said, recovered, but had no momentum left. And by the time that she was back on it, it was just that that's all that Rochette needed. 
Yeah, I think it was one of those talking to Claire. It's that momentary. I, it just takes you out. You're, you're redlined, you're dialed, and it takes you out. And even she said it took her a while. But you know, to Rochette's credit, like Rochette still turned in better lap times in the last two laps. And so it's not like Clara ever did really recover. I think, you know, uh, Megalie had managed her heat well, and she was riding really well on that day. It's kind of a bummer. You know, because like you can look at it and say, well, obviously Rochette was stronger. And I think we all know that that's not necessarily the case. It's once you get out of that rhythm and you get put on your back foot, yep. it's just a total game changer. And it doesn't necessarily mean that had it been a battle between the two of them, that it would have been a blowout. You know, it might have gone down to the wire. So still waiting for kind of a down to the wire uh, situation between those two women. But it's still awesome to see them competing uh, to being, you know, as uh, far I like kind of asked uh Clara, I was like, you know, do you feel like it's becoming a chess match between the two of you? And she's like, she's basically just went into full on like, no, I just respect Magali and it's so great to be racing against her. And yeah, we compete, but we're like really good friends off the course and stuff. And, you know, Magali's like, yeah, it's awesome to have Clara here because she pushes me to be better. So, um, I mean, I think the two of them kind of a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, don't you think with the, the euros and we've got, we've got the full contingent. We've got the, we've got, you know, the Dutch, uh, collegiate intervarsity team coming of all the 22 year old Dutch women. I mean, we've got full contingent. We've got uh, Blanca Vos coming. You know, they, you know, pretty clear. Like they beat the they beat the Euros last time in 2019. You know, Rochette won. Clara finished third. Uh, Evie Richards and Inga Vanderheiden and some other ones were off the podium there. I feel like they have a little bit of a, I, you know, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, coming into the the World Cups this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, back to this race, I think the interesting thing, if we go further down the line and I was, you know, talking about this is why, uh, this is different than road racing behind them. You had Katie Klaus in third, right. And you had Mani in fourth and Katie Klaus just thinking like a road racer. It was, it was kind of cool talking to her because when, Magali and and um, Clara were together. She was just trying to get up to the front. That was her goal. She wanted to try to close the gap, bring another Cannondale rider up there so they would have numbers at the front of the race. As soon as Clara dropped off, Katie saw that, and she didn't want to bring Mani up to clara so she dropped back and then let caroline do all the work to try to close the gap to clara and then was able to take advantage of that at the end i was like katie klaus doing doing the tactics doing the doing the bike racing tactics it was it was it was it was neat talking to her because she's you know you you think that they're just like putting their head down and, and pedaling really hard but just the the thought that goes into this sometimes is pretty pretty cool to pick their brains about yeah, Katie Klaus doing big things, having a good weekend. A uh, couple thirds after not a lot of racing, just you know, the results are going up. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited that like I feel like we're starting to be, like all the the hitters in the women's field are, are are filtering in now, and and we're getting some really good racing. So yeah, and she she even made the point. She was like, yeah, you know, that first day was she was kind of laughing about it, learning, you know, figuring out how to ride her cycle cross bike again and <laughs> yeah. how, how to do that. And, uh, I think that she gained a lot of confidence from those, from those results. And I think that, uh, this could be, you know, 
Not like any other year for Katie Klaus on a bike has not been a big year. I mean, she has... I've frequently joked, I think at some point she had more national championships than she had years. Um, I, I think that I think we're going to be seeing a lot of her at the front of races domestically. Bill, she's going to be like a 40 plus masters before um, her <laughs> years catch up to her. National yeah, right. Titles. I mean, she's still U23, so she can win nationals again this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two more times, actually. I mean, she she won it and she was 19. <laughs> and uh, one moment that I really like from Katie Klaus, uh, I guess we should probably move on the men. But um, uh, on day two, you know, she she joined the lead group and she's like, I'm just going to tail gun this as long as I can. And coming up to Mansion Hill, she just decided to attack and go to the front. And I was like, I love to see that aggressiveness. We always talk about how we love to see riders assert themselves. And, you know, she was able to hang on a little bit longer. And I think I think during the domestic season, we're going to see Katie Klaus doing that kind of thing. And she's just going to be there longer and longer. And I think it's going to be before long before, I mean, her trajectory suggests that she'll be in that conversation uh, sooner than later. Um, but, you know, we've seen it with all young riders is they have time to mature. Uh, and so she's learning and, and building. And it's cool to, to see moments like that uh, where she's maturing in the course of one weekend. Um, so, uh, but before Bill, you had something you wanted to, to, to segue to before we get to the men. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've I, a couple things, you know, just finishing up on the women, uh, we mentioned Carolyn money. Uh, if you, it, we were talking to her and talking about the world cup coming up, she's ends up that she's not racing at least Waterloo. Hopefully she'll be clear to race the other two. I think she's still going to Wisconsin. She'll race the other race, but she, uh, the French Federation isn't going to allow her to race in the World Cup because she had some. She, unlike unlike the U.S., where I they're just like, hey, whatever you say, you're healthy, you can go race. The, the French actually um, want to make sure that their their athletes are healthy and that they pass a physical and pass, they have to have an EKG and a stress test and do all these things to make sure that they are, you know, not going to be. Uh, hurting themselves while while racing and and she had some irregular uh ekg that came back so she has to get retested and have a stress test i think that happened today so maybe we'll figure out what happened with her but for now she's unable to race in the world cup so that's that's kind of a bummer for her because she's 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 going really really well and despite what she might say she's coming into the season pretty fit and pretty fast um and uh yeah that, that was the other the other thing that I was I was I wanted to bring up and maybe maybe we can just save it for after the men's or we can just talk about it now was just the, the, the series as a whole the USCX series as a whole but let's um maybe we table that until we uh, get into the men's results. Should we talk about Saturday. Yeah, let's do the thing. So I mean, we had uh, Vinny B. Uh, he he rolled to two wins, kind of different style uh, in Rochester. And we kind of had him, uh, he was sitting in, uh, there wasn't too much going on. We just had a massive group of riders. And so Bill, Stephen Hyde kind of remarked that he feels like this frequently basically happens every year at Charm City, even though we've seen some great sprints between Curtis and uh, uh, Kerry. So is this kind of what you were expecting in terms, because we had like 15 guys at one point in like the second lap, all just lined out. I, You know, I, I think it is group racing it, it's interesting there's kind of the new course old course 
before Charm City. It used to go, I mean, you were there now. So everything, if you're coming towards the finish line, everything on the left, that more like park side where registration is, that used to be part of the course. And it's a completely different dynamic. It's bumpy, you're going around trees. There used to be this tree planter that you're hopping over. And they had like even some years they would use the volleyball pits and there'd be sand on the course. And it just, it gave it this like, whole different wooded dynamic before they went over to the the mansion side completely and that that's where it sort of got this more flowy euro feel to it but i think i think the the difference or the thing that we always sort of put out of our mind is that it's always taped really tight and and that was the same thing uh for this year as well maybe even even more so and i think that that leads to more group racing because there are a couple speed bumps in there where everything's accordioning out and then coming back together. Plus it's always, it's, it's lined up like that. So you have to put in a pretty big effort early on if you're going to break away a a, a small group. And I think with the heat and everything else, that just, that just wasn't going to be the case. So yeah, we had, we had, we had we had peloton like conditions out there for at least you know the the opening salvos of this race. Can we talk about the 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 big new like what we were hyped for though like the blevening? Yes. Bill, do you have some like amazing footage you're gonna? Yeah. Drop so what? Here's here's my question, Michael. What do you want to see? Like I I could. One thing I'll say is that I I use the let's get let's let's go to nerd corner here for a second. So I used the the Hero 9 with the Max Mod. So it's got the big lens on it. And the advantage of this like big lens is that it has it has the hyper smooth, which is super cool, but then it also has the auto level horizon leveling. So no matter how far pitched over the bike is, the GoPro just auto levels it. And what I didn't realize is when it's on the back of someone's bike, and especially if somebody is like Chris Blevins is just like crushing like out of the saddle and the back of the bike. I mean, you've seen that, you know, with the crits that you're doing and it's going back and forth. What you're seeing on your Hero 7 on the back of Tom Gibbons' bike or whoever else, it's kind of chaotic back there, but it looks it doesn't look like a video game. It looks like something you're supposed to see back there following the laws of physics this one with all of this stuff that's going on inside the 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 internal workings of the gopro it it almost gives it this 360 camera mario kart look to it where the people behind are going like but never Mm. really and so it's a little funky it's a little funky to look at okay but it's still crystal clear and it's pretty spectacular because he does start you know 50th spot and he is just like within a lap you know he's with the leaders and just seeing you're like oh hey there's so and so hey there's so and so there we know that guy oh look who it is and he's just like (laughs) and just just going through the field so what i was my question is what do i post i i I think it just wastes it you know it doesn't need any commentary and i almost like I hate it like when it has the music tracks. I almost just want to put like as is, just like plop it up there. Do people want to see like all 54 or all hour of it, like the whole race? 
The thing is, there are people in it the whole race. There's never a time where it's just like grass behind him. Yes, Zach. I will say this. Uh, Bill and I, we we got back on, we got back to the to Bill's crib on 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 Saturday night, and I I I had a big big task in front of me. I had seven post race interviews that I had to transcribe. I had thousands of photos that I had to narrow down, then process. I had to write words. I had to combine it into report. And Bill's like, "Hey, come check this out." Oh no, and no, we, no. We, we we stood there for 10 minutes just staring at this video. I have to say, like, if you've not seen a GoPro 9, like, I have a three, right? We've all seen the janky course preview. Like, the level of sophistication and the advancements that the GoPro has made, my head almost just exploded. Um, and to Bill's point, there were times when riders behind looked like cartoon characters. But we just sat there because you had, like, you had, like, Eric Brunner on his wheel, and you just got to see Eric Brunner's face in like full, you know, whatever HD, you know, just watching him race cyclocross. And it was it was mesmerizing. And you'd also see him pass people that we know are really strong. And he would just open up an instantaneous gap and they'd be back there like four bike lengths just being like, oh, yeah, there, there they go. And then Chris Blevins moves on to the next guy. Like it was, I think, at least the first lap. Yeah. Bill, if we are any indication, I think that people will just stare and gawk and just be like, this is incredible. Like, it was really neat. I, I implored you to just put on someone for the next day. Like, let's watch the whole race, like, on this GoPro. Because it was just, it's it's mind-blowing how good the video. I think you should put it out there for the I, people. I, okay. I, and, but here's the thing. If I just put the first lap there, I know that the first eight comments are going to be, did the, did the camera turn off? Why can't we see the rest of the race? I'll just put the hey you can bill you could put the whole race on instagram now like I we could. just learned you could put the entire race on instagram that seems so like i think you gotta i think you gotta i think you do the first i think you can do i would just first lap great sometimes a raw footage of first lap is great um if you wanted more work you could do sort of best hits and you just do a you just every time he passes someone you just like throw a score of uci points he's getting Oh, that's like, an interesting ching, way of doing it. UCI, like, point, like UCI point, UCI point, like UCI point. Yeah. So that's what I did for Thomas Gibbons at Spartanburg, and uh, everybody thought it was his heart rate. It was great. Um, but yeah. Okay. So, Michael, were you at all surprised about the blevening? I mean, I, I guess maybe, I guess we hyped it, and I will say, uh, you know, I was, I was guilty of this more so than anyone. You know, what were your thoughts? Like, did you expect him to do spectacular stuff? Any well, I think I called it. I think I called fourth on day one. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I figured it would, like, and he said, Bill, in your interview, like, just kind of like, it was a shock. Even though he he won, you know, the, the World Cup came down a little bit, and it's, it's a different discipline. You know, everybody talks about it, right? It's like you go from the wide mountain bike bars to the skinny skinny um, bars on a cross bike and different tires. And it, it is different no matter how skilled you are. If you're, it, is, it takes a moment to adjust. So I thought uh, he did. Yeah, the, the beginning of that, that video I put up, because I, I thought the money quote was where he, was, <laughs> where he said, these guys are much more explosive than mountain bike racers. And then he paused and they race smarter. I thought that. Yeah, I, that I'm surprised that nobody has really commented on the on the on the shade Blevins thrown at that is at the elite mountain bikers. Yeah, that's super. That's an interesting. Like, why? I wonder why that is. Like, because because the because they're so strong that you know, other than and 
not to go to not to go to mountain bike corner, but that's that's what we saw when Vanderpool entered the sport was that he was doing these micro bursts and these these attacks off the front, and it was screwing with everyone's head because they are just able to put out you know this threshold power and say, okay, we're going to do this for the next, you know, 75 minutes. See you at the finish. Try to hang on. And that's, the cyclocross is different. You know, that's, that was kind of the cool thing to see with him racing it. We know, we know he's not a pretender on the World Cup circuit. This is a guy who can compete at the front. So that was, that was, that was, that was um, reassuring feedback from him. Yeah, it was really interesting after the uh, the podium. So not, I mean, we'll just jump ahead. He got on the podium on Sunday, but he was talking to uh, Vinny B and Curtis after the USCX podium. They were just talking about the differences. And Chris was just like, yeah, man, like you guys were just putting out so many watts. And like you guys, you know, he said similar things, but it was, you know, just interesting talking about the explosiveness. And, you know, uh, I don't think that a Vincent Bastions is like the caliber of some of these, like a Nino Scherter, you know, mountain biker, but you know, still he was like putting Blevins on the back foot and making him work. And he talked just about the, uh, combined wattage on that last climb up to, uh, mansion Hill in the, the Sunday race. He was like, yeah, that number must've just been bonkers. So it's kind of validating that, you know, cyclocross is different and that it has this different, you know, vibe to it. And still, I think it kind of, to me, showed that what we kind of know about Blevins is that he is a very powerful, explosive rider. And he was still, despite dealing with the skinny tires, he was kind of able to to hang and definitely more so Sunday be a factor, um, yeah, which I, was, was yeah. great to see. And I think he also was just, I mean, he was, he, you know, the reason he's going home is, I mean, he's cracked, you know, and then, so... The, it would be, I think what we really want to see is a fresh Chris Blevins racing in cyclocross. And that, that may be a completely different story, but who knows? Yeah, I think I just, just Zach, hearing you kind of talk about Blevins talking to White and, and Vincent, just like, holy crap, what a, what a, what a great like moment. And just like how, like, once again, I come back to this idea that I, this year going all these crits, like there's like, it's such a, there's such good racing happening in the States. Like, and I just, we just like want to get it into like more people's homes. It's like such a good product. And like, it's so cool that, that we have this, you know, world champ, the short track racing cross, you know, in Baltimore, you know, against Belgian and our, and the, and the American national champ and cross. It's just such an awesome thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I, what you guys are just doing dynamite work. So I just like, I gets me so pumped watching what you guys are doing and, and then hearing these like little like side stories about the race. Like those are just the cool little details that I think are really important. And like to show to the fans that you kind of miss in the live stream. And like, it kind of like shows how important it is to have a live stream on one end. And then to have the supplemental work that you guys are doing just really fleshes out this story. I, I just think, I just think it's so good. Cross is so awesome in the States right now. Like things are good. Like, maybe not there's not a hundred million fans there but like there is good racing going on i just got I really stoked sorry i just like i got hyped up I got <laughs> yeah hyped. no like Vinny it. was I like, like Vinny was like Vinny was like oh you're world cha- let me shake your hand like he's like that's so <laughs> cool like you know even Vinny who had just dropped him um let's talk let's talk about the end of that i mean i think the the culmination of the weekend the best moment that last lap of the men's race on sunday like I think we need this. This this warrants a media pit breakdown. 
because we saw it. We were there. Michael, you saw it. I think we can do the thing. Um, so we had a group of three. Uh, a big group was whittled down to uh, Blevins, Vinny B, and Curtis White. And the previous lap, Vinny had kind of attacked up to um, Mansion Hill, and Blevins was there. I think it, you know, it helped to have his wattage kind of on it. So as Blevins said, he he definitely, to borrow a uh, a quote from The Wire, he said, uh, you know, when I when I hear the music, I'm gonna dance. And he was still there to win it, even though he knew he was on his way out and it was going to be his last race. So he was on it. Curtis was on it. They brought him back. We went into this last lap. Um, but there was some strategy uh, kind of involved, and it kind of had to do with the planks. Yeah, and it was even, I mean, even starting before that was really interesting. They knew the two points. The the first one being that turn on the Mansion Hill where Curtis went high and Vinny went low and he was able to get in front of him. And they were racing to that. I mean, I think that's what you were talking about, Zach. They were putting out all... If there were any watts left in Druid Hill Park, they were they were going up the hill on that on that last lap. Yeah. Well, but I, I think Curtis's strategy was because of the planks. I mean, he he said as much after the race that like that was a key point. It was right. the he finish to before be the finish before yeah. the finish before the finish. Yeah. Right. Oh, so right. he wanted being, to be he wanted that, to be planks first. You wanted to be first to the mansion hill because then it was pretty much downhill, right, to get to the planks, and that's where he knew Curtis knew he was at a disadvantage because he had to get off of his bike and Vinny didn't. But if he was first, he could, he, as a, he's a big guy, he takes up a lot of room. You're not gonna, you're not gonna pass him. He can do whatever he needs to do in there to make sure that he can block and, and protect the lead. But if he's coming in second, then it's a much bigger task at hand. And that's, that's that's what happened. He was he knew that he was able to be first to Mansion Hill. He was able to be first up the hill, but you know if we go back to to mountain biking, it was sort of a fluky and Nino, you know, uh, and and Curtis White was playing the playing the part of fluky, and he left the door a little open. Didn't think that uh, um, Bastions would be able to get traction on that low line, and lo and behold, he he would he nailed it, you know, and and more power to him. It was a risky move, and he pulled it off, and he came out in front and was able to cruise into the uh the the planks first and you know uh, you were there zach as soon as his rear wheel hit the ground after going over that second plank it was like hitting the nos button and just going you know (laughs) there was no he just put in every every match he had he burned at that second and just got an instant gap of about four or five seconds uh, to his credit, Curtis was able to 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 close it down within about ten seconds to maybe a second or two. But he said he was just you know pushing so hard that he slipped out on that same off camber that uh, uh, Clara had gone down on, and you know that was pretty much game over. But super exciting ending to that race, and and and, and the great thing, and this is why I think that I, I don't know how you feel. I, I, we came in, we like we like. Uh, I don't know. Vincent Bastins is a character and we always, we sort of paint him out to be this cartoon character, you know, nothing malicious, but just, just, he's this guy that comes over and then is, you know, another generic Belgian guy who, who wins races. But I I enjoy talking to him. And what I really loved is that he was talking about Saturday versus Sunday. And he was saying like Saturday, you know, I think that 
I got a lead and then no one was really willing to try to close it down. He's like, it wasn't, it wasn't a good race for me. I didn't, I didn't like that. I was just out there out front and it was a win, but it was like, it wasn't, you know, it's not what I'm here to do. And then Sunday he loved it. He was like, you, you know, Curtis and Blevins and Karen were, Kerry were all attacking him and all making it a race. And he was like, that was super fun. You know, it was close. He may have lost, um, but it was the type of thing that he wanted to do. So that was, that was kind of cool to see that it's still, you know, it's not a job. He's over here. It's a sport, it's competition, and he wants to be in the thick of it. So that was, that was pretty neat to hear. And he was, he was pretty jazzed on just, you know, re recounting the, the race on Sunday and just how it went down. Well, I think with Curtis, like, let's go back to, dude's had some bad luck. Uh, you know, he had that rolled tubular on Saturday and he responded poor, uh, poorly. I mean, I, I was like, I interviewed him after Sunday. I was like, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a little bit of a hard time for your, uh, tactical decisions, uh, last Sunday at Rochester. And he's like, I rode like a pissed off 19 year old. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, Michael, what were you expecting out of Curtis? Cause we both saw kind of the tactical choice. What were you kind of expecting, uh, from him trying to bounce back, uh, on Sunday from him? Well, I listened to his podcast too, and he he said that Zach, and it was interesting to hear him sort of admit that, like, because he had talked about learning from guys like Hyde about how to sort of race a lot smarter, and so to to come back on in Rochester and, and sort of just go brute force it, um, you know, it was kind of a big weekend for Curtis, especially for this this series, right? Like, he kind of he's no longer really in contention. I can look at the points, but like on Sunday. He he. So what? So so Saturday he breaks a chain and he's just kind of out and has to chase through. Yeah, and he finished ninth, but he started. He broke. He was he was kick pushing down the start finish straight. So we had multiple kick pushers this weekend. Um, uh, I forgot to take a picture of Vandenham. I got a shot of Curtis, and it didn't occur to me in like my haste of running to my next spot. I'm like, oh oh wait, that's Vandenham. He's doing he's doing. It was the exact same thing. I think I think I think seeing Sunday, you know, came down to the line and um, it showed that he I, I think it showed that he did bounce back from Rochester smartly and raced a really good race. Just I, I love that line. I didn't think he would have Vince. It would have traction in that corner. And Vince is like, yeah, there's traction there. Like sort of like he he raced really smart um, and was that was there for the win. So, yeah, I, I think he I think he came back strong just couldn't pull it off maybe him and wout can um go to bunny hop camp yeah i mean so to his credit he you know i mean he acknowledged uh we were we tiptoed around i think bill in my interview he just brought it up and i think he acknowledged that he needs to improve on that and it goes back to my my favorite old adage is the barriers don't matter until they do um because i mean you saw earlier in the race Vinny was running them i mean they were so during pre-ride, right, Bill, they were like literally like four feet apart and everyone was like, uh, you need to put these a little bit further apart, but they were still close and they were still kind of high-ish. And, you know, you saw very few, obviously Blevins hopped them, we saw Brunner hop them, but even guys like Hyde, I think were running them at times, you know, especially in traffic. And so, you know, it's didn't matter then when it's a big group of 15, you don't need to hop them, but it comes down to that one moment. You need that tool in your, you know, in your... Can, in your, your repertoire, just, your tool, your tool belt, or whatever, uh, to I go, be able house. to deploy it. Can I go back to one of Zach Zach Schuster's tells? Uh, little 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 mini tail whip from uh, Blevins over the uh, over the planks. 
Yeah. Just a little. Oh, he was getting up, dude. Just a little he twitch. Was getting, just a little twitch at okay. the end. He was getting up, man. Like he was getting like a good six inches of clearance. I was just looking at my photos and I was like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. He's he's good. He, he's he should good just. At bikes. Well, he can't now. I was saying if they didn't get rid of the of Waragam, he could have just gone for the title. <laughs> could have gone after the king. So we had another uh, another miss. <laughs> another good micro battle on Saturday, uh, and it was that off camber again. So Vinny goes, uh, and you have this chase group, and I think it was Carrie, Stephen, uh, Scott McGill, uh, Gage Hacked, and Ghost Vandermeer. So you know, a couple dudes just riding out of their gourds, you know, in Ghost Vandermeer and Scott McGill. Scott McGill ended up getting fifth. Um, great finish for him. Um, you know, just tailgunning hanging in on that group and uh i got to talk to him hopefully i'll have it up at the the bulletin this local week. boy yeah yeah so but then it came down to kind of steven i think was super aggressive and it was down to him carry and blevins you know and steven's strategy is like i wanted to control it the whole last lap and uh that off camber again that off camber, uh, it was uh, it played a role in that one. So it's it's cool to see. You know, we had this great battle between Kerry and and Stephen. Um, you know, did either of you guys get a chance to to watch what happened? I heard him talk about. It. I did you guys to watch the live stream of it? No, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. So they cut to it right when it happened. So it was the same off camber. Kerry uh, tried to pass Stephen before Stephen. You know, he's the crafty veteran. He blocks Kerry, puts him into the tape. You know, Rubin is racing. Uh, and then on this off camber, Hyde goes out wide to kind of set it up and kind of probably carry the inside out of it. And Carrie just dive bombs him on the inside. And it was just really funny talking to Hyde because Hyde's like, what? he's like, yeah, I was watching it. And I was like, oh, you're going to, oh, you're going to crash. Nope. Oh, yep. Yep. Oh, nope. Nope. You did it. You just, you just beat me. Okay. Because <laughs> um, it was close enough to the finish, you know, in typical Stephen Hyde, I'm sure if you've heard him talk, you can imagine Stephen saying it in a very animated voice, but you want Watch it. Like, Kerry, to his credit, was the last chance to make a move, and he just dive-bombed the inside and cupped it upright. And I don't know. That's just the kind of – that's the stuff I love. Like, that, that's just great bike racing, and you love to see those guys competing. Uh, and I reminded Kerry that he's now finished fourth, uh, four out of the first huh. five races. So he's like, he's like, oh, so you're counting, huh? And I was like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So the thing I wanted to chat briefly about, get your guys' thoughts on – is 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 the USCX series? Um, I a little tough love here to, to to start out. The it is awesome that GCN is covering this race, this series. I think that we are all super stoked about it. We're we, you know I think that we talked about it before. Let's sort of give them this year to figure it out, and hopefully next year we can really just nail down this coverage and have something to be really proud of. But I don't think that this series can rest its laurels on just, hey, we got GCN, we're done. And and we did see that they finally have updated their their website. You know, they now have a technical guide on there that we've been waiting for months and it finally showed up. Uh, and they do have series points that are updated however if i hadn't on a whim going hey i wonder if they're updating the series points is anybody doing that and we would have never known i mean cyclocross 24 has it on it on their site but it's not their job to tell you about it so guys out there 
John, Scott, put out a press release. Tell people what's going on in your series. Let's get some hype about who's winning the series. Let's, I know you're not giving prize money, but let's fake it until we make it that the series is supposed to mean something, anything, and, and tell people who's winning. Uh, my email, our email is cxhairsbulletin at gmail.com. And uh, we did the official press release today at the bulletin on the series standing. So I know a guy who I, I'm, I sell myself short, so I come pretty cheap. Give me a holler. I will write your press release. I'll do, uh, we've got all kinds of, co- I can't even tell you. I don't even know how we're going to put out the amount of content that we have. So holler, <laughs> throw us a few dollars and we'll let you send it out as official press release content. We want to help this series succeed. Give us a call. We have more content than you could know what to do with. But yeah, like, I mean, it's, you got to put it out there. We're there. I mean, you got to get to Velo News. You got to get to Cycling Tips. Like, that's, that's, give them content and they'll print it. You know, Uh, they would love that. They don't have to cover Cyclocross then. They can just run a press release. They love that stuff. You know, I think we've talked about other publications that we can't count on, but if it's a series and if a series happens and no one, it falls in the tree in the forest and no one hears it. Yeah. Is it a series? So we we want it to we want it to mean something. So let's let's make it mean something by debate how their uh, their points work and if it's fair. Uh, th- this came up today. This actually came Zach. You were by by having the uh, the results up there. I I am I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the second place uh, in the series had no idea what the series standings were and you know, on the women's side, and that would be Magalie Rochette because David Gagnon, who is uh, you know, her partner, uh, got on Twitter and was saying, uh, should somebody who wins three out of the four races be in second place in the series? And I thought that was a valid point. So the series points for the USCX, winner gets 40 in a C1, Second place gets 38, third place gets 36, on down for the twos until you get to the 20s, and then I think it's one point each. Same thing goes for the C2s, but it's 30 points and then 28 points, 26. So there's only a two-point difference between first and second and second and third. If you look at, and it doesn't seem like that's a, a decent reward for winning is I think the best way to put it. And somebody was like, well, consistency pays off. So Clara's gotten all of these seconds and she's first. However, if you have something like the World Cup, first place is 80 points, second place is 70 points. No, 65? What? Talk to me, Zach. They switched it. I okay. I went to CX Hair. I, I Googled Cyclocross <laughs> World Cup point schedule and yeah. it linked me to CXHairs.com. Oh, that's and nice it's now 40 30. So they cut it in half. They actually, okay. it was like 40 30. But it's still, um, a, 10, it's still a 10 point gap between first and second. Yeah, that, that's the main point is that you are being rewarded for winning a race. And that, that, was, that was David's point is like it's really hard to win a race. So you should get something extra what do you guys think is is it fair my 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 proposition was five points a five points gap between first and second michael well seem to have thoughts i have thoughts on this but maybe i don't have thoughts on the point spread but i have thoughts about sort of the the david's follow-up to the person who said it's a series consistency is key um and David's, David responded that asking any, any rider, it's much harder to win 
than to be consistent. And I thought that was a really interesting point because I just spent the last summer right. um, with Thomas Gibbons at USA Crits. He won the overall. He never won a race, um, but he got second a bunch of time, always top 10. So I was like, that's actually a really good question. Is it harder to win? And then I guess, should you get rewarded more? Or is it harder to be consistent all season long? And I, I asked Thomas, and he sort of kind of went back and forth because I, I know he really wanted to win. It's like, it's, it is really hard to win a race, but then you can, sometimes you win and you put it all on the line to win. And then, you, you know, the next weekend, I know you take it off, but maybe it's a course that's just not your style and you, and you can't get high enough in the rankings to, to get the points. Or maybe you don't come prepared and so you have to back off and you slot in all the way down to fifth, whereas someone like Clara has gone second, second, first, second. Sort of that, cons- that, that, that ability to be consistent is do you get rewarded for that? I mean, it's like, so it's like, what is the goal of the thing? Is it, is it the goal of the series to win races or the goal of the series to win the overall? And I guess it kind of depends on the rider. Like, how do you take the series? And this year, there's no money for the overall. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of doesn't like you could just go out and try to win as many races as you can. But you, you know, you might fall into that trap where you don't get on the podium in a race and you are no longer the most consistent rider. So that's the that's the interesting thing as a series. So what is the incentive? I think that the incentive, if you are running a series, if I'm running a series, my incentive is I want somebody to try and win. But especially, let's win say the there's $10,000 the... $10, on the line to win the series. If you accumulate the most points, you win the series, you get $10,000. Second place gets $3,000. All right? So it, it is a big prize then are you playing it safe are we doing this this thing that we hate in the tour de france where like they're just racing for the podium they don't even care they're not even going to chase that down or they're just trying to protect you know spots or whatever else and if you if the points are so close you can do that but if if you're able to win a couple then you can get a margin that's why i don't like 10 points i don't like because then you get in a position where if somebody wins two races the series is over because nobody can catch them so i think that that's why I think five is good because it's still an incentive to win instead of second because you are getting a buffer that, you know, if you're second and they're third, then you're still winning. This time, as long as, you know, you could just keep like cascading down farther and farther with the same person. And since it's only two point gaps, you'll still be fine, you know, until some. So I don't know. I, I just, I do think that that, that, the bigger gaps in the beginning and then close them down as it goes is, is the way to go. And I think there should be an incentive an incentive to win. So I will actually bring some facts in this. So I said, okay, what would the series standings be in the three European uh, things? So we have different point structures, right? We have the World Cup. We have the time-based Omnium for the, the X2O. And then we have the Super Prestige, which is the longest running, uh, one might say the most prestigious uh, cyclocross series in... Uh, the world does 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. They've been doing that I don't know how long. Uh, so in the Super Prestige, they would be tied. They would both have 56 points. In the X2O series, now there's time bonuses and we don't have those. Uh, Rochette would actually be losing by 12 seconds. 
Um, so that's how, you know, talk about consistency. She finished a minute 53 down to Clara on Saturday. Um, and so, you know, she would be behind and in the world cup, she'd be up 11. I think it was like 141 to 130. So I don't know that there's an exact answer and it seems like there's different responses within cyclocross. So I guess I just found that kind of interesting that, uh, the, this is very in line with what the standings would be in the other series. If this were in Europe. I like it. I think that's good. Yeah, super prestige. I completely forgot about that's a that's a great example. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I love that the one point difference. Yeah. Um, why why don't why don't they ever do it like golf? If you win, you get one point. If you get second, you get two points. The lowest points is the winner. Magali would be behind. I want to know the decision making for. The USCX. I, 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 I could go either way. Zach, you made a compelling argument. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I would vote for you. David, you made a compelling argument. I'd vote for you too. What I want to know, and I'm, I'm throwing this at you, Michael. If you DNF, if you start the race in DNF, you get two points. If you yeah. DNF... If you just give them your money, you can you can literally buy a point in this series. You can just say, here is my money, give me my point, and you get it. That seems like crazy town to me. No, I'm okay with it. Okay. It's only one point. It's only <laughs> one point. So you can just, is it just a feel-good thing at the end of the year and go, hey, I didn't race at all, but I paid all the money. I got eight <laughs> points for the series. I mean, sure, yeah, because at that point, place. you got eight points. Yeah, well, second place. You <laughs> On my be CV, I can say earned points in the USCX series. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting to see that. And as someone who's covered USA Crits that does all, a bunch of point shenanigans, like they give you 50 points for starting. You can DNF, but you still get those 50 points as okay. long as you start. So, um, Boy, they have, point, there, they have point inflation. What do you get if you win, like 30,000? No, you get 200 if you win. Wow. My, I guess my, my, my opinion, so I have the thing that bothered me, my actual science statistical, nerdy, mathy answer. I don't know if I care. It's, it's the rules of the game. That's what you're playing by. And everyone is going to come in with this biased opinion based on where they, st- you know, if something else happened, that some weird thing happens, they'll say, well, this, is this fair? And then we'll, I just feel like every series is constantly tweaking and changing their points and we'll have a year where someone wins three and it's like, Oh, it's over because you know, they have this huge point gap and we're like, well, we don't care about the series anymore. And we'll say, is this good? Then we'll change it. Then something else will happen, you know, and then we'll change it again. And I, I don't, I don't know that I just go race your bike. Like also there's no payout. There wasn't even a press release with the points. Like, I don't know who cares. In their defense, the tech guy didn't come out until after the series started. So if there were wait, that's in their defense. Yeah, in David and Magley's defense, they couldn't have brought this up beforehand. Yes, yes. yeah, they couldn't have brought this up beforehand because it didn't come out until like September thirtieth. Of course, that's a date on the tech guide. Yeah, yeah, I I forgot my point, but yeah, that was that was it. I I mean, I, I I say this. In, a tongue in cheek. I, I, I don't know. I, I think if you win the series, it's worth saying you win the series. So it means something there. And you know, does it does it change when there's money involved? 
I think people will probably be more, more intrigued to go race it, but who knows? So we'll see you next year, hopefully. So Claire is went leading by two points over Magalie. Caroline Monty is in, in, in third at 124 in the men's. And I'm saying Vinny's because... running away. See, Vinny just blows the argument because he didn't, you know, he'll take all, he'll take your two points. He'll take two points from anybody any day. And he's just like, uh, got a huge lead. What has he got like a 10, 12 yeah, point Vinny lead? At, Vinny at, yeah, he had 14 points at 140. Carrie at 126, Stephen Hyde at 117, and Curtis with those some mechanicals all the way back at 105. So if you the next race in the series is is the jingle jingle C one C two, and so far, and this is early, Kerry's the only one who is in the contention who signed up for those races. He signed up for all the entire weekend. Should I offer some prize money? Should I put prize money on the line? How much prize money should I put on the line? Hey, Bill, should, I'm going to give a prize. Why don't we do a GoFundMe? Yeah. I think this. I think this is a, a key no, 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 opportunity no, 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 for no, a GoFundMe. No, no, nope. It's coming out of my pocket. No GoFundMe. I will give to the winner, equal payout, men's and women's, seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars for the men's winner. Seventeen dollars for the women's winner. I hope all of you listening tell your friends who are racing, Magley. Vinny, Kenny, everybody else in contention, Clara, 17 bucks coming from this guy if you win it. Will that get them there? <laughs> no. Come on. You heard it you, you heard it here here folks. Money. We've got a payout. We've got a we've got a serious payout. 17 bucks. What's 17? Is that is that It's more than 16, less than 18? No, it's a random number. Do you want me to change it? No, you can't. Thirty-four. Do that. Should, I, should I, I double it? I'll double I want it. Thirty-four. Thirty-four dollars for the men's winner. Thirty-four dollars for the women's winner. CX Air's bulletin All right. sponsoring the USCX, unofficially sponsoring the USCX payout. Why don't you just make it forty-two? That just seems nerdy. Well, you got to hitchhike around the country for the series. <laughs> All right. And they, they have a lot of towels. $42. $42 for the men's. $42. Michael's spending my money. And now I'm $84 in the hole on this bit. Zach, how high can we get him? <laughs> 69 Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, you know what, Michael and I, you, you and I will have to go dig deep. We'll see what we can throw in. Maybe we can, we can keep coming up with a number uh, that, that really seems to make sense as on brand for cyclocross. Guys, I think we did it. We covered Charm City. Uh, we're on to track. We've got a C2 on Friday. We've got the World Cup. We've got the first World Cup, the first of like, it's a whole football season, literally worth of, uh, yeah, or something like that. Uh, so many World Cups. That's going to be on Sunday. You're going to want to watch it. So uh, I think that we will we'll be back in the pit. That's where the pit was born. This is a seminal moment for the media pit. The pit was born at the Waterloo World Cup in 2019, I think. So I'm excited. We're going back to where it all started and uh, looking forward to it. See you next time. Hang in there, kid. $42.
The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday. 